Kinfolk, what's going on? How are you today? Listen, I've got a very special guest. We just had a breakthrough conversation. Some of this we're probably not going to share with you. But, man, listen, I've got Baron Elias Clive. He is a disciple of Jesus Christ, husband to Lakeisha Michonne, father of three daughters, Destiny, Desiree, and Bethany Grace. He's an urban leader, an itinerant speaker, but most importantly, he loved to serve God's sheep using his gifts of preaching, teaching, and he also leads in evangelism from time to time. He is the founder and director of Block Huggers. It's an urban evangelism discipleship ministry in South Columbus, Georgia. His passion is to see disciples being made from neighborhood to nations, from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity for the glory of God. Welcome, my good friend and man, someone who I've watched his ministry from afar. Baron, what's up? What's good, brother? What's good? Nothing much, man. Did I leave anything out? Nah, you good, man. You okay, good. man. Great, great job, great job. <laughs> it's 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 great to finally have you and to have this conversation, man. I, I wish I'd recorded the conversation we had before, but man, it was some very deep personal things because uh, that that we we talked through and talked about. So, man, I want to start off with uh, the idea of calling. What what does calling mean to you? Mm. Yeah, man, I think definitely, man, with number one, we're called. Um, God created us to, to be his people, to be his disciples. So calling is everything, man. Um, even before I came to the Lord, man, you know, I always felt a sense of calling, but not like in the spiritual sense. Like, I think it was more of a pride, sinful, you know, I'm going to be somebody, I want to be somebody, be somebody. But I think that points to the spiritual reality is, yeah, we like God has a purpose for all of us. In um, 2002, that's when the Lord really, you know, called me to himself to really be called to, number one, to to know him and to make him known, man. So calling is everything, man. Man, so you, 2002, what happened to you? So, yeah, um, background, I didn't grow up in a church, man. I grew up right here in the trap, bro, South Columbus and... um grew up um single parent home in the beginning my father actually died when i was 10 um we moved from new york from brooklyn after my father died um my mom had an aunt and uncle for benning for those of you who know like columbus georgia is really well known for Fort benning probably like the second or third biggest army base in the united states and so we didn't know nothing about columbus had an aunt and uncle we moved here and um yeah man uh my mom has four sons. My mom was raising us all together by herself. One of her sons, which is me, I was born with a severe heart condition at birth. And, um, man, just, you know, I had many complications with my heart. I had a stainless steel stent put in when I was like 12, 13 years old. My arteries are closing. And then I finally got this, this the surgery to get stent put in. So I started to feel better, you know, a little bit better and stuff. Not that it fixed, um, you know, everything, but... So you would think that I'll start to be more moral and more upright, but like that just made me live out my flesh. And so I have a, a brother uh, who was one and a half, two years older than me, and we was always tight. We would hang out in the neighborhood and, you know, just living an inner city lifestyle, man, just, you know, chasing girls and, 
you know, um, smoking weed, house parties and stuff like that. And long story short, um, I met my, my, my girlfriend around the age 17, 18 years old. She was like 16, 17. And, um, we, we started to, to live together after I got a little older. Um, I had got a house and we, and uh, I remember one day, bro, like a lot was going on in my life, just anxiety, depression. Cause you know, with my heart condition, struggling with life and, and even death, bro, like God started to use like, like I was scared to go to sleep at night, man, because I didn't know, you know, where would I go when I die. So even though I didn't grow up in a Christian home, I knew that, you know, death was real. And because my father had died at a young age, he died at my dad. My dad died at 34 years old. When, um, so I remember I came home and uh, my girlfriend at the time was on, on, on the couch. I was like, yo, what that Bible your grandmother, her, her grandmother before she died of cancer, her grandmother had gave her a Bible and she's staying with me. She's like, Bible? I don't want to talk about no Bible. Like, so I go in the back room, bro. I'm looking for this Bible be like a crackhead, bro. Like I'm feeling like, I, I, mind you. So let me give context. Like just like typical inner city kid all my life. I was in special education and growing up in public school. Couldn't really read or write. You know what I'm saying? I know more Biggie and Tupac lyrics than I knew how to read and write. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, and um, I go in the back room, go in the back room, bro. I opened the Bible, bro. I'm uh, for the wage in his death. But the gift of God is eternal life. I just started weeping, bro. Like the Holy Spirit illuminated, like I was a sinner, bro. And I heard Biggie one time say, you know, I'm a born sinner. So I'm like, like God even used that mug, like, yo, I'm a sinner. Like, yo, like, and um, that's the first time I understood when it said the wages is dead. Like, what God owes me is death. Like, the reason why I have to die is because of sin. And I thought about even my, because I had a question to God, like, why did God take away my daddy at a young age? You know, I would I definitely you have a mother with four sons. One of them has heart condition. Why would you take my daddy away? I had a lot of I had a lot of anger towards my dad. And God, it's like man, like you know, I feel like my dad he did, he could have did better with his life. He was on prescription pills. He had health issues, a lot of trauma growing up in, in, in the crib. And um, but you know that click. And ever since then, 2000, 2003, man, that's that was that calling that God called me to be. Know, his, his 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 son man so yeah. yeah um so so did you take up doing ministry uh quote unquote right out of the gate or what was your process after coming to faith what what did you do next yeah so it's right out right out the mud bro like and it's crazy how we call what we do now urban ministry but but like when we, when I got saved, we just did life, bro. So like, this is the yeah. thing I remember when I, when I got saved, it's like God just gave me these spiritual eyes to see things like, you know, I, I would see the Mormons on my block coming to the neighborhood, two white kids on the block. I would see, and I, you know, we know them as missionaries, right? These are Mormon right. missionaries. And we see, we see Jehovah's Witnesses knocking on our door on Saturday. So it's like, I'm just like, man, like. Bro, Pino Lyle, I was like, I was on the block one day looking to my right, to my left. It's like, we're the dudes who look like me, who love Jesus. Hmm. And it's just like, man, and I remember long ago, one of my homies who we wasn't even saved at the time, and he's still not saved. I wasn't saved. He had let me listen to a cross movement city back in the day in New York. Yeah. And that, and God reminded me, it's like, yo, oh, these dudes, they were fulfilling. And God like put all that together. It's like, and when I asked God that question, I was like, God, where's the dudes 
who love Jesus, who are in the Thames and the Fitteds. <laughs> he said, yeah. that's you. That's you. Dang. And, bro, I remember going to my, and then we finally, you know, we got married, me and my wife. My girlfriend, we got my wife. And, like, I was like, man, like, we can't leave here. That's that calling again. It's like, she was like, what do you mean? Like, no, nah, like, so we, so we went from fornication, you know, that wedlock to having, you know, getting married, you know, having kids. It's like, I feel like, because so of my mama living in my neighborhood, my brothers, my grandmother lives in my community even to this day. So it's like, I felt like I can't leave my community because, man, it's like, it's like a dark room. You got a dark room, got a candle, it's a light. But if you take the candle out, that mug is going to remain dark. Yeah. A lot of times, a lot of times in ministry, let's be honest, you have two broken couples. They get saved. They get mended. They go for fornication to marriage. They start having children. Yo, let's leave this mug. And I'm not dissing yeah. anybody who does who does that. You know, praise God if that's your conviction. I think a lot of times that's the norm of when you you go from brokenness to wholeness. Now you want to leave the very context where you can you can show people in the broken community, and this is what a family looks like. Yeah. And so that's how it was, man. It's like, man, like my brother, you know, my brother, um, I was just like, man, I love him, my little brother, my grandmother and stuff. And so, yeah, that's what really like, like so I came out of the mud. And then, man, God's sovereignty, the first church that I went to, the church actually we got married at on the corner of my, at my house, it's called Southside Baptist Church. And um, I remember um, one of the pastors gave me a mix CD back then. So that's when you have CDs and right. it, had, it had the truth. It had the truth on it. It had flame. It had um, I think it had cross movement on there. So it's full circle. Just like I listened to it, and um, and I just started just like wanted to make disciples, bro. I was just I was hungry. I was learning biblical truth through hip hop, bro. Like I would listen to songs by Flame talk about context. I listen to songs. Lane talking about the Godhead, the Trinity, and and uh, man, I was just like, I want to teach this to, to dudes in my block, bro. And um, that's how I got so fired up about you know doing urban ministry. It's just like, man, those do seeing those dudes, and then find out about Eric Mason because that's at the time when Deuce and E. Mace planted Epiphany. I was listening to those dudes' um, sermons online. Um, I found D.A. Horton and those guys like, man, like, I'm not crazy, bro. Like, I'm not some some crazy, rebellious, you know, dude who thinks he's because I heard had heard legalistic sermons like you can't you can't be cultural and love Jesus. You know, I heard those like legalistic sermons. Yeah. It's like, no, what? Like, it's a lot of that. that, out that there. Yeah. So I was just like, man, like, yo, I want to be, you know, bring the gospel, the gospel and contextualize it to my to my to my context. And so. Yeah, that's how everything kind of got started, bro. Man, so you decided, you and your family decided you weren't going to leave your neighborhood in Columbus, Georgia. Is when is that the time, is that around the time when you started Blockhuggers Ministry? No, so actually, um, I had a couple of ministries that I started. So let me say that. I, Dan, because I, I rapped a little bit in the world, too, so... But when I came to faith, I kind of put the mic down for about a, uh, about a year, two years. And um, I remember, again, that same pastor, he gave me um, After the Music Stops by Cray. That mug rocked my life, bro. I was just like, man, I went back. I said, Lord, I cannot, can I use my talent for you? And so I started writing again. So I, I, I was doing a ministry called Let's Carry It Ministries where 
I would I use rapping, you know, kind of like, you know, what, what our brothers do, like Corey and them, and just using the gospel, using hip-hop to bring the gospel. So I did that before, for many years. And in city, I would go from church to church, we'll do outreaches, preaching the gospel, doing that. Um, just I, The majority of it was doing music. And, um, and then as I got older, and, and then when I got a part of another local church, my passion was really for preaching and teaching. Like, I... I I was the type of dude, like I was a preacher at heart, preacher and slash evangelist at heart where I wanted to take the, the ancient truths of the Bible and contextualize it in the heart language of our people, bro. Because, yeah. you know, I didn't came into, you know, what we call reformed faith. Like I remember, like, and I would see these dudes who were solid, like Steve Lawson and, you know, even at the time, Johnny Mack and all those guys back in the day. I was like, that's dope. But like, yo, like, where's the dudes who really look like the Eric Masons? I wanted I wanted to teach the Bible, and so um, then later on, like I I, I put music to the side. I don't want to rap no more. I was just kind of like I'm getting older, man. Not even for the young kids, you know what I'm saying? Like I I just had a passion to just stand before God's people and, and preach the word. I think one of my main my main topics that I always loved going and preach at in different churches was I seen that one of the one of the struggles that the church has in the world well in America is evangelism mm -hmm. and it wasn't just an urban problem it was a it was a church problem like it was mm -hmm. like like man like because you know I would always say that nobody wants to come to my hood nobody wants to come out they're not playing church in the urban and which is true but then it was just like yo cast on one evangelized period a lot right. of times. No. It's like, man, and so my passion was to be like a hybrid, like uh, anomaly. Like I, I had one foot, and just to be honest, you know, we're using these terms, one foot in like, so I, I came to a, a, a reformed church, predominantly um, evangelical church, um, and godly people, love them to death, man. And I was growing and, and learning how to exposit the text and all that. And But then it's like, I got another foot. So I lived in my neighborhood and drove 25, 30 minutes every week to my church. Because yeah. let's be honest, at the time, there wasn't a, a, a sound biblical, you know, uh, church, you know, that from my viewpoint, I believe that the reform view was you know, biblical. You know what I'm saying? In my view, like, mm -hmm. man, I believe like the soteriology, you know what I'm saying? Election and all that great stuff. And so like, I would go there, but then I was conflicting for many years. He's like, man, like, I'm getting these truths, but yet my people are perishing, bro. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like, man, so that's when, you know, I came back. Um, it's just like, man, like, I want to start uh, uh, urban discipleship, um, evangelism ministry called Block Huggers. So I remember sitting down, like, I remember, you know, growing up in New York, I heard that statement, like, yo, I'm, I'm about to hug the block. Mm -hmm. And so, like, in, in in our context in the hood, it's like yo, you either hugging a block, hugging a block, with gas with weed, with, with, with right. pills or whatever, or prostitution. And I looked at John chapter one verse fourteen when that mug said, Jesus, you know, he be, the word became flesh and tabernacled amongst us. Yeah. In some translations, that mug says Jesus moved into the neighborhood. Right. And he so, did. And so and so. I was just like, man, Jesus was the ultimate block hugger, bro. Yeah, he like, was. but he he hugged the block with grace and truth. True. And so, and that's when when I started. So, in, you know, you know this, be like, the greatest missionary field in, in in America in the urban community is it is is the liquor store, bro. Right. 
Liquor so stores, barbershops. Like, yeah, barbershops. And so I would beauty say, shops. Why, is, why is the church neglecting these areas? Yeah. Like, you, like I was just reading today, in my, and, and I was looking back at our scriptures at church on yesterday, and I read a little pass down where Jesus just said that the harvest is white. It's ready. I was reading it this morning. It's just like, man, like, and it's brokenness. And, mo- and, and most of the times, cats in the, in the urban context, they want to talk about, you know, philosophy and Christ. And even though some of them may disagree at times, but like, yo, cats is always on the block. You always have conversations. And so that's why we started um, block, huggers, block Huggers, where I was opening up my home, bro. Like, because there wasn't a good, again, a good, solid church. I started opening up my house for Bible study, but my, my living room used to be packed, bro. Man. Like just teaching cast up, but going through the book of John, going through the book of Romans, teaching the Bible, man, making disciples and stuff like that with the hopes of one day planting a church, bro, um, with, a, with a group of people, man. But again, at times it was hard to get cats to be committed because, man, like, yo, you know this, man, you being a pastor in the urban context, like, yo, urban ministry looks sexy, but that mug is messy and no, like, People will put their hand to it, but then when they see the need of the people, eventually they pull out, bro. This time I'm from here, I live here, and I want to leave, bro. Right. No. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It, like my mama lived, like bro, I could easily sell my house. You know what I'm saying? And try to move, move our, our north side in our city is like you know, more suburban area. I moved to the north side, like right. But but I see that man, like nah, going back to full circle, Pete, like calling, like. If I truly believe God has called me to this, he's going to sustain me. He's going to provide for me. Though it may not look like the American, the Americanized Christian church of providing and be, having everything you want. But, bro, God, God providing for me, bro. What's interesting about your story, uh, among other things, I mean, you're an interesting guy. But what's interesting about your story is you believe that a Christian by his his or her very definition is a missionary. So there isn't this uh he's here's the pastors, here's the the lay folk. We're all mm-hmm. priests and it seems like you've operated like that for uh you know the majority of your walk with the Lord. Have you ever wanted to give up? Oh, definitely, bro. I got a chapter in my book, man, called, you know, um, I'm going to take Paul's letters, like, you know, don't lose heart. I got a chapter, I think chapter four, don't lose heart, man. Like, so you got to so give, give, give the people context is that I was born with a severe heart condition. So, mm-hmm. like, there's times when I got this quote and I contextualize it. I forgot. It's in a book called um, Everyday Converse, Gospel Conversations. And in the book, the guy quotes this, this missionary. I wish I would have had the book on me. But he basically says this guy has one leg, right? He has one mm-hmm. leg, and he and, and the guy asked the dude with one leg. He said, "Why do you go?" I think he was uh, he was a missionary to China. He was like, "Why do you go to China? You got one leg, bro. You got a family." He said, "Because I don't see people with two going." Mm. Wow. I was like, "Woo!" And so That's I contextualized dope. that much. So when when people ask me, you know, I I had Christians say, "Yo, bro, look, bro, got a wife." You got you got three daughters. You got a serious heart condition because you're in a heart failure. Like, why would you stay in South Columbus? I said because I don't see people with what good hearts going, physical <laughs> no. good hearts. 
Yeah. And it's like somebody somebody has to do it, Pete. Yeah, like somebody. Has if we to. believe, yeah, if this if this gospel is that glorious, is that beautiful? Jesus is that glorious. Like man, and going back to what you said, when I started reading the Bible, just going through the Bible on my own, I actually learned how to read reading the Bible. That day when I started, when I read Jesus in His Death, bro, I was so rocked by the scriptures. I actually started learning how to read reading the Bible. Mm-hmm. And so I would see where Jesus will, you know, walk up on cats and he would say, make, I'll make you fishes of men. And, and how can we neglect the multiple, you know, the multiplying of making disciples is right in the Bible. And so when I went back to that church, so I was going to, um, Southside Baptist, I got married there. I was a youth pastor there for a little bit. And I would see like, man, like programs are dope. Like programs are like training wheels on a bike. Like, you can have programs, but eventually we can't run Christianity off a of program. We run yeah. Christianity off disciple making. Yeah. And I would see where, you know, even churches in the urban community, praise God, they have a lot of, you know, jumpy castles. They have black parties. Those things are dope. But at the end of the day, Jesus says, I will build my church on disciple making, bro. Uh-huh. And so, like, that's why ever since I got saved, like, and this is this is the sad thing. When people see a dude like me, a P, or you know, shout out to my boy, our boy Rack, and people who radical, whatever, they'll say, Oh, you got the gift of evangelism. And I yeah. may have, I don't know, but like I said, so then I, I remember I um I got a boy named JB and he was walking with me. I was discipling him. He got passionate. I said, So does he got the gift of evangelism too? I said, No, like he's just seen it in my holistic discipleship evangelism is a piece of your discipleship. So when you're making disciples, you don't just take them to church with you. You don't just give them a book and go through a book. Like, you show that person, like right now, if I took you to the barbershop, we go get some grub. Like, bro, if we see somebody, that we're going to pull over and share the gospel with them. Like, that's what you see in the scriptures. But when you, in an American church, a lot of times, they will say, you got the calling to be an evangelist. Like, (laughs) no, maybe, but I'm just sharing the gospel, like you know right. what I'm saying. So which, that's how, which, like, uh, you know, even Timothy, who is an elder, he says, "Hey, do the work of an evangelist." So there is no, I, I think it's a cop. I, I feel like it's a cop out and mm-hmm. uh, a way for us to quench the Holy Spirit <clears throat> that pushes us and compels us to. And, and and I don't think it's always, "Hey, stand up on the block and preach the gospel." Mm-hmm. I mean, nah, nah. we got family members, coworkers, neighbors that need Jesus, that God is trying to turn us on to 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 share that share that thing. But coming back to my question, uh, man, you know, I you you told me you you've wanted to give up. Um for for you for the audience, man, what have you done in those times that you wanted to give up to push you to motivate you to keep going yeah man. i think one of the reasons i wanted to give up is because a lack of evangelism in the in the church um you know my own you know my own struggles my own you know just and then seeing you know because like when you you see this too and this is a part of again making disciples when you when you walk with dudes and especially in the hood you know cats will come to your crib you're making disciples and they walk away from the faith where they choose to, <laughs> they choose weed over Jesus. They choose sex over Jesus. They choose this. You just, it's discouraging. It's, you know, you see dudes who you walk with kids, you mentor, 
they get locked up and they, you know, they, or they catch a body, they catch a murder or like those things get discouraged. It's like, man, it seems like you got five feet in peeing and then like ten, the devil pushes you 10 steps back. Those moments of, dep- of depression and, and giving up, but also in the, that's on the, bo- that's on the block type discouragement. Then in the body, you know, you, you try to rally up some cats. Yo, we're going to go evangelize this weekend. Or it's like pulling teeth, bro. It's like, man, like, yo, we could go, we could get ready for a Bible. Yo, do a, do a, do a K Arthur study or do a, like a, a Steve Lawson Bible study. Cats show up. You know what I'm saying? They, they're ready to get into diving the scripture, which is beautiful. Like, let's dive in. Let's, let's learn about the you know, observation, interpretation, application joint, right? I don't mind the twist of that, but like, yeah. How are we going to take that and, and bring it to the block? You know, you know, and so like there was times of discouragement. What I do is, man, like I think one thing that helps um, when you live in an inner city, bro, you see the brokenness visually. Let's go back to your boy Nehemiah, bro. Like he said, like it wasn't until your your boy went on the wall and seen the brokenness that he couldn't. He couldn't hold it in. You see, you see Jeremiah, you know what I'm saying? I can't be quiet. So, like, I think a lot of times when people don't do anything is because they don't, what is that, out of sight, out of mind? When you don't yeah. see it, I don't have to do anything about it. And so there's the, the days I want to give up. I want to stop preaching. I want. I don't I don't want to go to the block because it smells like gas and weed and, and cats are cussing their mama out. And it's like, man, I just want to just stay in my own little house. But, like, like, no, like when you go on the wall, on the block, the brokenness compelled. What did, what did, what did, what did it say in the scriptures, Pete? Jesus, he seen that, that the people were like a sheep without a shepherd. And they said that he was, he had compassion. That word literally means he was sick to his stomach. His mm. bowels were, were turning in him because these people were, were lost. And so, man, like that's what, and then to be honest, Bro, shout out again. You know what I'm saying? I love that dude. Songs, ministries like Corey Paul or Reconcile and, and uh, Seven and dudes who are taking our, our stories and other people's stories who we grew up in the context and putting in the wax, hearing those anthems to go hard, hearing those stories and those music, bro, compels me, bro. Street Song Go, Reconcile's new c- single. Like those songs, hearing the brokenness, the cat stuck on pills and, and syrup and and lean like those things break me, bro. To to go hit the block It's like, man, like those are like, those are like our our commentaries to what what goes on in our in our in our in our city. So those are the moments where I want to sit back and like, bro, bro, I'll peep a single and be like, yo, I gotta get back, bro. I hear an anthem, you know what I'm saying? I hear a catch a body, like, yo, I gotta hit the block, bro. I can't sit still, man. Like, yeah. I need a. And so that's what, you know, encourages me to keep, and ultimately we know the spirit, bro. Like he's going to convict you, bro. The Holy yeah. Spirit going to convict you. Man. Yeah. You, you were naming some of our friends who, uh, man, are, who, who are just great, phenomenal artists, reconcile Corey Paul, man. touched by God to bring the gospel, uh, man, to, to the everyday, to the everyday man, to the everyday corner. So when you talk about going to the block, you know, for my for my listeners, some of them don't know what that is. And can you share a success story from a time that you went to the block? Yes, yeah, so I want to first say this because I don't want to. I don't want people to think you know, oh. So I would say when I say block like this, your block doesn't have to be the inner city. 
right? So your block is wherever you stand in. Like, you're a missionary wherever you at. So your block can be in a trailer park. Your block could be in a 1040 window in the Middle East. Your block could be wherever you at. You're called to, is, you know, take, take the land back. Like the scripture says, man, like, you know, through God, you know, we have authority. Of course, not in our own selves, but, you know, as Jesus has all authority. And given, you know, he gives us the authority in, in the spirit. So, yeah, so one of the stories, man, I got this dude named um, Oscar, man. I was on the block. And um, he a Mexican cat, you know, inner city Mexican cat from my neighborhood. So there's a there's a there's a store called South Lumpkin Red Market. We call it the Red Store. It's in my neighborhood. It's off the street from my house. And that mug be jumping, bro. Like cats always pulling up, buying the gas, you know, buying the buying the beer, this transaction of stuff, and you know, just always hanging out. So that's why I hang out at bro a lot of times. I go up there, passing out gospel tracks, praying for people. And so I met this cat named Oscar, you know what I'm saying, Spanish cat, party dude. He was on the pills, he was on the weed, he was on all that. And we just, I just started chopping up with him, bro. He was just like, I'm, I'm, I think I'm, I'm Catholic. I was like, okay. And I kind of even pushed that, like, yo, like, what does that mean? Like, let's go. I said, the dope thing about the gospel is that it's, it's not, it's Jesus. And I said, I said, Catholicism. I said, I have family who is Catholic. I said, it's Jesus plus X, Y, and Z. He was like, man, that's interesting. And I said, let me get your number. So I got his number. And we just started building a relationship, bro. And um, I remember when um, the American Gospel DVD came out, I sent it to him in, in, in uh, YouTube form. And I said, yo, watch it. Because they talk a lot about Catholicism and works-based salvation. Catholicism. And I, he watched it, bro, and just build it. Now that dude's following the Lord. And I have, you know... A bunch of stories of just meeting cats on the block, man, who go from dope boys or just, you know, just thug cats or just who who come into the knowledge of Christ, man. Um, I had a best friend. One of my best friends, the God gave me the grace to lead him to the Lord. Um, we knew each other in the world. We did music together and stuff like that. He was in the Air Force. He's originally from New York, too. He lived down south, Puerto Rican and black cat. And uh, he was in the Air Force opening for like 50 cent in those guys because he was doing he was he was blowing up he was in okinawa doing shows and he left to go to new york to do his music career but he stopped here because his mom stayed down here still and i remember just laying out the gospel with god had radically already saved me and he thought he professed to be a believer but i challenged him i was just like yo bro you say you're a christian blah 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 you know just like yo like this is what first john says Yo, your man kicked me out of his grandma's house, bro. Wow. He, got, he, he got mad, but bro, and like a couple of weeks later, the spirit started rocking and he was in the shower and the Holy Spirit brought conviction on his life and he gave his life. And I know oh, this is what I told him. I said, I remember he said, he still told me, we talked about this day. He's like, I remember I looking in his eyes. He said, man, it's time for you to go, bro. Like, you got to go. You got to go, bro. Because <laughs> I, I was telling him, I said, I, I was telling him about hell and cross, grace. And he said, no, I said, yo, bro, look, you have heard the gospel. I said, the way you die and stand before God, like you, you without a, you, you without an excuse, bro. He was just like, man, like I, I hear you, man, but yo, you gotta go, bro. But yeah, man, like now that dude, man, he a godly man. He, you know, he married, he got kids, like going hard for the Lord, bro. And then we started doing rap ministry together, bro. Like we were doing gospel rap, man. His name is Ricky Gentile. But that was his rap name. He don't do music anymore. And so we did musics together. We did mixtapes together. 
So just being being an urban missionary, reaching my family, reaching my friends with the gospel, because you know this, P, like a lot of our family members, when we go in the hood, their view of church is is like, you know, shiny suits. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it's a big hat. Yeah. They yeah. never seen a dude come from the trap who, who loved Jesus, who loved their right. family, who loved their kids. So I think it's so refreshing that God is saving dudes from the slums, bro, to go back and, and bring it to the block. So, yeah, that's, yeah. So everyone is a block hug. I mean, you don't have to move to the inner city. Now, if God is calling you, praise God. But wherever you at, man, he's called to, to bring, make disciples, bro. Man, that's what's up. Uh, I got some lightning round questions, and then I want to c- come back to some other co- uh, questions I want to ask you. Scale of one to ten, how good are you at keeping secrets? Mm, probably about an eight. <laughs> eight, okay. All right. Uh, Ariel or Jasmine? Uh, Jasmine. Okay. Uh, first celebrity crush. Oh, I think it was, uh, I don't know if you remember, Melissa Milano. Okay, okay. She's from the uh, Who's the Boss. Oh, from Who's the Boss, okay, Alyssa Milano. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, yeah. Don, Donna Dusk. Donna Dusk. All right, uh, Dusk. <laughs> okay. If you could travel back in time, what period would you go to? Probably 96. Huh. Why? Man, just the hip-hop era, you know what I'm saying, was just okay. so so real. Just, just the culture was dope. True, true. That was that was my uh, year I graduated from high school. Uh, mm. do, you, do you snore? I do. <laughs> they okay. tell me, yeah, my wife tell me I do. <laughs> okay. Uh, place you most want to travel to? Uh, it's, I'm torn between Israel and my mom's home, uh, homeland, Dominican Republic. Okay. Well, shoot, man. Uh, maybe we can go to Israel. I've been trying to get to Israel, but, uh, I'm hey, supposed to put it. together a team to do it. Hopefully we can, uh, we can work on it. My, my wife wants, my wife definitely wants to go. So we can probably put, us, put this together. It is. It's like fourth. Well, we'll talk about it offline, but yeah, yeah it's expensive. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, man, I can get to anywhere else in the world for half the cost, you know, mm. but I still want to go. And that's yeah, maybe man. that's why it's that expensive because they know people still want to go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, favorite junk food? Junk food, pizza. Pizza. Okay. Is that, is that junk food? <laughs> yeah. Well, of course. It's all junk food. Definitely my age. Uh, favorite childhood TV show? Oh, man. Let's see. Full House. Full House. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Favorite season of spring, summer, winter, fall? I would say spring, but now spring is bad because my allergies. But spring, I still say spring. <laughs> okay. Uh, cake or pie? Pie. Okay. Do you ever post inspirational quotes on social media? Yes. Yeah, I've seen some. Uh, All right. 
So um, I want to talk about family and calling as we kind of, uh, you know, keep 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 going. What does family mean to you? Yeah, family's everything to me. Uh, family, especially you know, the tight knit family. Being a father, man, like um, like I said earlier, my father died when I was ten. So family is everything. Just being a father to my children. So marriage is everything. It's beautiful. Yeah, so just yeah, family is everything, man. I love family, man. Family, God, like really love my family. You know, my mom, grandmother, I'm big with grandma, and spend time with family, holidays, all that good stuff. Huh? Uh, is is family part of your calling, or do you see that as separate? Nah, this nah, it's together. I say family and calling is the same to me. Okay, but but do you sometimes feel like the tension between? your family and your calling. Yeah, I think I think a lot of times it's not because of family, it's my flesh. <laughs> huh. Elaborate on that. Yeah, so I think a lot of times we could feel that our family hinders us from mission. Mm-hmm. But actually it actually could advance the kingdom even more. Yeah. In a sense in a sense, you know, especially with your kids and um there's times man going back to you know being a block hugger man like I think it's me and a brother told me the other day, like showing your kids that Christianity is not, you know, limited to Sunday worship, you know, Bible study Wednesday, like showing them that this is a lifestyle. And I think with family and calling, like, yo, sometimes I take my girls on the block with, me. you know what I'm saying? They, they, they see daddy, you know, having people in our home and, Loving cats on the block in my front yard, and if I throw a barbecue in my crib, like I have people invite people and unbelievers too. You know what I'm saying? And so, yeah, it goes hand in hand. Like calling is is and you know it goes together. Same with family. Huh. Um, what's the number one thing that you tell your kids and that you hope sticks with them when they grow up? Hmm. This is this is kind of not a cult, but like I say this, man. Again, like one of the things I remember sitting down with my kids, the devotion. I told them like, if if daddy if daddy passes away, like, don't get bitter towards the Lord. Um, the reason why I say this is because, man, like when my dad died when I was young, like, I got bit really really angry at God. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so I try to instill to them that no matter what happens to daddy or mommy, like. God is still good. If if if, that, if Daddy's taken away today, just know that God is still good and He's still faithful. And I didn't have nobody to navigate that with. When my dad died. Um, I just was left with all this built up anger. My mom was not a believer, still not a believer to this day. Like, um, I didn't I didn't know how to process that, so I would just walk around with anger. So like, tell my kids like, yo, God is still good, regardless of what happens to your parents. Um, you know, that's why I would like this. I can steal my kids. Huh. Interesting. Uh, you, you mentioned your mom is not a believer. How do you deal with that? As uh, yeah. what would you say to somebody who may have parents that aren't believers? Yeah, man. So I would say this, man. I love my mom to death. She's an amazing woman, man. And um, 
a lot of time when people hear that they think it's showing shade about your mom, like nah, like my mom, my mom, like she went all in, bro. Like for me, you know, you remember I was born with a heart condition. She she did the best she can. She took care of me, everything, bro. Like I love my mom death. Um, I think a lot of times it's just that cultural Christianity, bro. Um, I would just say you know continue as the Bible tells us to love, to honor your parents, to honor, your, to love your mom, love your you know your pops if you have one. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's difficult at times, man, you know, because it's funny. My mom, me and my mom have a lot of conversations about things. She'll be like, well, mijo, like, it, it doesn't take that much. You know, like, you, you, you're <laughs> radical, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't take all like, that. Yeah, it doesn't take you know, it doesn't take all that. And so, but I love it. I was just with mom last night, had a little barbecue at her crib and stuff. So, yeah. Huh, interesting. Uh, I'm sure you agree with this, but do you think God calls people to cities and to neighborhoods. Definitely. I definitely do. Yeah. Um, I think yeah, God is so I think God is so strategic, bro. Like man, like we gotta sense his presence, bro. Like I believe like when you in the neighborhood, like you gotta you gotta use that mug, you know, leverage that mug, bro. Like learn your neighbors, learn the people, and not just say hi and bye, how you doing when you're coming out driveway but like really get to know people as you know your neighbors and stuff like we gotta as the church bro like we gotta we have to just start to see that it's like most people in america christianity they see their houses just this is my safe haven this is my spot i work all week come home boom, boom which is cool but like god has called you to that community to change that community and even if it's a wealthy community you may say, well, everything, everybody got everything, but God called you to, to change it spiritually. Start a Bible study, you know what I'm saying? Start like a, do like a little block, block party. So I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, bro. No, man, uh, your words inspire me. Um, I, I want to close with a, a conversation, a part of a conversation that's been probably running the last year. Um mm-hmm. You know, with regards to racial justice and George Floyd, what what do you think is missing in the conversation right now? And I was watching this thing uh, what, yesterday, day before yesterday. Uh, Francis Chan, he did it, put out a video. I think he did a book too about unity. You know, and uh, seems impossible at this time, bro. You just look on the surface, that mug don't look like it's getting better. Yeah, But he true. was saying, like, he said, basically, going back to the basics, he said, man, like, the more in everyone is individually in all of God, if you just stop for me and take a all of God and how holy he is, how good he is, and how he called us his family, the whole revelations, I think, seven peace, every tribe, every nation, every tongue, like, I think it'll it'll, it'll press a restart on our on our on our lives, bro. Like even as I watched that, I was just like, man, like the problem is not so much we just trying to fix fix the, the the horizontal relationship. Like we need to make sure that when we talk in these conversations, even with brothers and sisters we disagree with, we first want to honor God in our conversation. So I think a lot of times we want to be right. We want to get we want to get you know we want to seem like we got all the facts right. It's like man, like. Give room for grace. Give room for mess ups. But at the end of the day, you wanna you wanna honor God. Your conversation. I think it's first 
Corinthians 10, 31, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. So like even in our conflicts, even on our disagreements, you want to have honor God and you want to honor your brother and sister in Christ. So I think we need to go back to the drum board. I'm like, who's God? And he has called it. Like, this is not even our fight. Like, God is angry at injustice, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, we think this is our 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 calling. Ultimately, like, no, this is God. And he's going to yeah. take care of it. Yeah. So, yeah. Man, I want to close with with something I was thinking as you uh, have been talking this this uh, during this this podcast. You said something about you learning to read because of the Bible. Man, elaborate on that because I, I I feel like I missed it and I wanted to come back to it and 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 ask you to elaborate on that. What, what do you what did you mean by that? Yeah, so man, again, like I knew <laughs> I knew more Biggie and Tupac lyrics before I knew how to read and write it. So, um, and I think me, I don't know how I'm wired. I, I actually learn better by listening. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, bro, like we was we was at the other. I was on the block. I was at one of my friend's house. You know, he was playing some music. Matter of fact, I think he was a. It was the was it the Biggie song? And as soon as he played it, oh. The words came right to mind, bro. Like these songs are like 20 years old. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? These biggie songs. And, and so, but what I did was was discipline myself. When I started, when I got saved in 2003, I read that verse. It gave me a desire to learn the Bible, but also I remember I had my notepad and my, my pencil, and I would see words in the Bible, you know, like righteousness propitiation and I would write just I would write those words down check out the meanings and like start to like memorize these words and it actually helped me to to you know to to pronounce my words better to read the word and so that's what helped me to like learn how to read lift my head up a couple years later I learned how to read and write by studying the Bible and I remember one of my old elders from my old church um, Elder Jim, he said something dope. He said, back in the days, bro, he said, schools used to use the Bible, bro, for a textbook. I didn't even mm. know that. He was like, they were users, you know, to, to use the Bible. So it's like, so yeah, God used his, his his word to help me to learn how to read and write. It's crazy how, you know, I go some places to speak at different churches and people, with, you know, they think I have like a seminary, seminary degree. I ain't been to no Bible college, no nothing like and I was like, bro, and I tell him that, my story, like, bro, I graduated with a special ed diploma. Like, what? And I said, that's uh-huh. by the grace of God, bro. Like, that's that's what God does to those who grew up in a city. And it's, it's an encouragement to me to bring that to my neighborhood and to tell dudes who, you look at Paul when he says, um, I'm indebted to the barbarian, right? And right. I, when you look up that word, it literally means like they, those people couldn't they couldn't even talk, bro? Like they were like bar, bar, bar. That's how they got the name, barbarian. Like but it was really broken. And I see dudes in the South, bro, especially in, in Georgia and probably Texas too. Like, bro, dudes are so hood in country, bro. Like they can't pronounce their words. But like I tell them, like, yo, regardless of your your IQ, uh, you can't read or write right now. But like, you're not far from God's distance of saving you, bro. Like, don't yeah. don't. Because a lot of cats, I used to be ashamed I couldn't read and write. A lot of cats, like, they'll say, man, I don't really read the Bible. I said, bro, get that mug on, on audio. Like, get you a Bible app. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And 
And so, yeah, man, I think it, it, that's even part of, that's a whole other conversation, P, about discipleship, teaching men in our context how to read and write, bro. Man, that's that's going to be our next conversation. I, I was just thinking <laughs> yeah, I need to have you on again and let's talk about that, man, and discipleship mm-hmm. and, and man, teaching people how to read and write through the Bible. Because I, 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 I was listening, you were one of the first people to um, just kind of share that with me. And I was just, my my mind just started spinning and I was just like, man, that's something that a lot of my brothers that I'm running into are having a hard time with. And here is this story of God, uh, man, just literally teaching you how to read and write through the Bible. I mean, it, it, it reminds me of like the old slaves. That's literally all they had was the Bible. Some of them Ooh. learned how to read and write, man, because they learned how to read through the Bible, man. Some of our great, great preachers from the 1800s and in early 1900s, it was the Bible that that got the Bible was their education, and it's what um, lifted them up to be able to do some of the civil rights work and some of the the work in the church that they were able to do. And so, man, you you've got a an amazing story, and I'm so thankful mm-hmm. that I had this opportunity to talk with you. I know our time's short, but man, we are going to talk again and again and again. I got to have man, you come. Brother. Talk to talk to the people, uh, man, with the word of God during this pandemic, probably uh, in, in a, uh, you know, might have to do it virtual. But I would love to have you uh, one of these weeks, man. Yeah. And let me know, bro. I actually want to just want to come out there and visit you sometime, bro. Man, we, we, we'll, we'll do it, man. Thanks again, Baron. Grace and peace, man. Love you guys. Love you, yeah. too.